Welcome to Questions About Heaven, a podcast about giving Bible answers to our questions about the afterlife with God. Each week we seek to answer real-life questions with biblical answers about the life beyond this world. Now, here's your host, Brad Zockel. And a very good day to you. My name's Brad Zockel. You're listening to the Questions About Heaven podcast. We talk about the wonders of heaven, what the Bible says about heaven, what can we find in the scriptures that will give us promises about the kingdom to come for the believer in Jesus Christ. Wonderful, wonderful year we've had. I cannot believe it is December 1st. We are coming into the final month of the year, and really, as we come to the final month, it's really the beginning of the grand celebration in which we commemorate the birth of Christ coming up in just a handful of weeks here, and I know that uh, it's a busy time for a lot of friends. Uh, We have a lot of things that are going on, and then there are all sorts of programs, churches, children's Christmas programs we never get bored of. Love seeing it, and then we see all of these just special, special times. As we, uh, I hope that you do this. You have an Advent calendar study on the different parts of the Nativity, walking on down through the scriptures that we find in Matthew chapter one and two and Luke chapter one and two about the birth of Christ. The very, very special time. You know, when I think of all through this year, we've had so many wonderful, wonderful passages that we've looked at when we talk about the wonders of heaven. Remember Revelation chapter 2 and verse 17, the promise to the believer by the Lord, I will also give him a white stone, and on that stone a new name that is inscribed that no one knows except the one who receives it. What a special intimate gift that we hear from the Lord, just something that is giving as a just a token from the Lord in heaven of the great honor. I mean, think about all of the things we've talked about when we think of gifts, the, the, the honor, Revelation chapter 3 and verse 21, that to the overcomer, I will have sit down with me on the throne, and that culminates in Revelation 22, 5, that, I will, that the, the, the Christian will reign with the Lord. There's an honor there. Luke 19 intimates that uh, the faithful believer will be given honor of uh, heading up different cities, different responsibilities in heaven. And we've talked about just the wonder of Isaiah 25, 8, the banquet menu that the Lord himself is creating, all of these things that we see in, we continue to look at all through the scriptures here. Isaiah 56, verses 5 through 8, I will give them, says the Lord, in my house and within my walls, a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give each of them an everlasting name that will never be cut off. I mean, we can't earn this, and yet this is given to the faithful in the Lord, these gifts. So we're going to talk about gifts today. When we look at the heavenly promise of gifts, they really started from heaven, and they exchanged the gift of God, Jesus Christ coming. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's God's love. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 uh, tells us about that. So let's take a look today. We've been going down through the Christmas countdown. And we have looked at different parts of the birth story of Jesus Christ. And we've talked about Herod. We've talked about the gift of frankincense. And also of the shepherds that were in the field. Background of that. Then the angel Gabriel. And now we're going to a particular gift. 
we're looking at this wonderful, wonderful gift. Now, before I share this with you, I want you to go over, if you would, and then take a look in Matthew chapter 2. That's where we'll be looking here. And so if you'll put that reference down when we look at it, Matthew chapter 2. Now, before we read it, then I do want you to know, as we go looking through these passages here, then the ministry here doesn't finish at the end of the year. Our ministry continues on next year. My first circuit around the uh, country, I'm going to uh, see if I can head around uh, to the northeast, starting in the Appalachian region in the early months of 2024, as the Lord would tarry. And um, you can help me make that uh, route. We're looking for just the, uh, as a moving on, the wonderful, wonderful uh, horizon of ministry in heading up the road. And, and, and anything you give can help so much. Uh, the maintenance of my car that I'm using, uh, gas as I'm traveling, hotel and meals that I'll need. But also this, we have some uh, very, very uh, uh, big projects in our new website and there's an expense to make these things so that you could go in and then punch in some uh, keywords and get information about heaven from the scriptures. And we're working on that to expand the library, the potential library, on our new website. And that's, uh, that's an expense that we're undergoing as we're uh, talking about new things. And then also, as uh, we're possibly setting up conferences and uh, different camps for Bible studies. And there are some big projects that are coming down the road and any gift that you give is just most welcome. Uh, we are a 501c3 uh, corporation. We are a ministry 501c3. And so your gifts are tax deductible. You will receive a receipt. And so I, I wonder if you'll be able to help us as we're moving into some major, major, just very exciting projects in this coming year, including the website and including expanding the, the, the studio here in the barn that I might be able to, to present more podcasts and and more different classes on social media and filming and taping on different uh, things, studies for churches and assemblies and things along that line. So if you might consider that, then if you'll go to our site, theheaventour.com, theheaventour.com. Thank you so much. All right, now we're going over into the uh, book of Matthew. And when we look in the book of Matthew, what are we looking at here? We're talking about something that's absolutely amazing. The Magi, we've talked about them. And they have come from across the, 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 the miles, the thousands and thousands of miles. Matthew chapter 2, they head over to Jerusalem. Herod is totally confused by this, but the Magi, the massive number, many more than three, along with the army of those protecting and the valets and all of those, the, the personal guards, and they march on down the road. They're heading on down to Bethlehem. And then when they see, we look in verse 11 of Matthew 2, coming into the house. So now Joseph has moved his family from the manger over into a house. And uh, it is widely accepted in the biblical scholarly community that Joseph has been there, uh, the wise men would not appear for weeks, months, could be up to two years. And so they're in a house, Joseph being this man of many trades besides carpentry. Uh, it's intimated in uh, the original language that he could have been gifted in stone building, you know, uh, masonry works, uh, things along that line. So in all of this, he has been able to pay the rent uh, for a house wherever they are. And after coming into the house, the wise men, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, 
And they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. We talked about frankincense. We will talk about gold. The significance of this, what is considered a very, very valuable gift of myrrh, what in the world is this? Well, let's talk about this for a minute. It's spelled M-Y-R-R-H. The Hebrew pronunciation is more. And in this, we're looking at a, a resin. It's a, it, there's a small tree. It's not very, very tall. It spreads out wider than really it is tall. And you're going to go to North Africa and the Red Sea region as well. And you're going to find this tree. Myrrh, it means bitter. If you remember in the book of Ruth, then Naomi says, call me Mara because my life has been bitter. Smyrna, the church in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, we see the seven churches. Smyrna is mentioned, it's going through a bitter time, commended for the faithfulness. Smyrna comes from the word myrrh, the bitter time of persecution. Now, when we take a look at myrrh, we find a lot of things in its use, very valuable. Uh, Through the ages, we've found out that this has been used as a pain reliever, uh, possibly in wound healing, there's speculation among the medical community. There's still things coming out in modern medicine and studying this that it actually heals wounds as well uh, in this. Anti-inflammatory uh, ability, the properties of this. Uh, the Chinese would use this, is what we are re- reading about, in bruises and if there is bleeding, if they needed to take care of something medicinally. Now, you can go on to places like Amazon and other uh online sources, and you could buy uh, myrrh. You can buy it in small uh, canisters, small bottles. It is available today. It's not that rare. Or if you go down to, I think, I, you know, I would go down with my daughter down to Earth Fair and those type of places. And when she was in middle school, I would anoint the back of her wrist on those testers uh, bottles, one wrist with myrrh and one with frankincense, and she would smell those distinctive, very, very aromatic uh, uh, different perfumes that we have. And indeed, myrrh was considered a perfume. We go back to 15 BC and we see records of the Egyptians bringing over myrrh from Africa. And uh, they became uh, fairly prevalent at that time. In the time that Jesus was walking the earth, we see that sometimes it was used uh, as a holy ointment as well when we look at it. But most of all, you've probably heard this, and most of it was the ointment was mixed in as a resin, as a thick resin, the smell, and this was put into embalming whenever they were wrapping uh, one, uh, a deceased, and they would massage in this resin, this aromatic resin in there. And you see, this was actually used. If you go to John chapter 19 and verse 39, this was used specifically for Jesus. And indeed, there was a goodly amount that was used for Jesus uh, on here. So we see this. And in the Old Testament, we're seeing it. Now, as in my studies, I found out that I can find 17 times that myrrh is used. And in it, indeed, we see a reference to death and embalming. And so there's a, a, a symbolism here to say that this was to be a forerunner, open illustration of Jesus being born to die, being the sacrifice. 
being the one to come, the suffering servant of Isaiah chapter 53, the one who has come as a sacrifice, as the book of Luke leads you into this very, very strongly up into chapter 23 and the, uh, the, the crucifixion scene, which of course will open up into the resurrection. The crucifixion being the sacrifice for our sins. Uh, this, this is absolutely, absolutely stunning when we see what love was given to us. And we see this is symbolized on one side as being very easily recognized as an embalming uh, use and it's talking about, we can see the death, even in the birth of Christ. I think of Simeon. Simeon tells Mary, what will happen to your child? The infant will pierce your soul. And she's pondering these words. Well, then we also see symbolism here, bringing myrrh. Now, myrrh is expensive. And when we see that Joseph has to flee to Egypt, the use of the gold and frankincense and myrrh as exchange, as barter and trading, no doubt was given uh, was was used very much for that to help in the expense of traveling, and so we could see that. But there's something else that I want to bring to you as well, because we hear so many times, "Well, this meant death. This meant death." But there's something else that's very intriguing, and I want to present this to you for your consideration. When we go to the Song of Solomon, and some of your translations uh, will use the term for that particular book, the Song of Songs, we see that the one. The, uh, the, the lover who is so, so deeply enamored with her beloved, she is preparing herself, and there is a reference to myrrh as a necklace that is around her, and a packet of this aromatic perfume is put on a necklace and a little bag. And it's talking about this in here, about this beautiful perfume a perfume next to the body, and then the heat of the body would then make, a, would, would emphasize this wonderful, wonderful myrrh-like smell. And if you ever get to smell myrrh, very distinctive and very, very pleasant too. And as I said, we see it 17 times being used, but I find many times it's used as a perfume. And I think about this when we are talking about Christmas and we talk about gifts. This is a gift here, that was given to the Christ child. The word is Doron. Doron is something, a treasure that is given with no expectation of return. It's given in love. That's what it's uh, used as. And we see this in what depth when we're talking about this, that I'm thinking here, gift, they gave a gift. No one turned around and Joseph goes, okay, how much do you want in change? Or what else do we need to do? How do we exchange back? Is there a cultural thing? Do I need to give you my donkey or my overcoat in exchange? No, no, no. These were gifts. And this wonderful perfume was a gift. Doron. I'm reminded on the side, I'll get back to the point, but you know, I think about what God has done for us. In, in all of the heavenly truths we see in the Bible, what's the wonderful thing? Jesus Christ was a gift. Salvation's a gift. I mean, think about it. It doesn't say in Romans 10, 13, we have to pay for it. Whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And in believing on him, Romans 10, 9, and 10, we will find salvation. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 specifically says that this is a gift. For you are saved by grace. This is not of works. Remember this passage? So very, very important. All right? For by grace you have been saved 
through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is the doron, the very same word, the gift of God given to you in belief as you accept it. You do not work for it, verse 9 says, because that would cause personal boasting, self-effort. But that's here. But let me go back to what I was saying. Okay, in this. So we have this wonderful gift. Now we say, yes, this was a gift and one died for us. And that is indeed. But let me take you one further. As we have Christ next to us, if we have Christ, see, the woman would have the necklace. The bag would be down next to her heart. And as she would walk around, as she is in the activity of the day, the perfume would be released and would go out, and she would have an aura of myrrh about her, this beautiful smell. Can we see the parallel here? As we see in Song of Solomon chapter 1 and verse 13, so may we. We have Christ, this gift. Is Christ our beauty? Is Christ our perfume? Is Christ our aroma as we walk? You, you see, you don't have to walk around and say, do you, do you smell the cologne? Everybody smell the cologne. Do you know? And you stand on the desk at work and you, you stand up and say, I want you to know. And you name the brand of perfume you're wearing or the brand of cologne you're wearing. We don't have to do that. But someone come by and it's, it's the gentle uh, uh, aroma around you at your desk, in your office, in your area. And somebody says, well, that's a very pleasant smell. Tell me about it. You know, have that. Can we also exemplify that in Christ as we have him next to our heart and more than just us making an open announcement and then going on our way living without the beauty of Christ in us? Then people say, well, I'm getting two different things. You talk this, but I I just don't, I, I find nothing attractive in your testimony of your walk. I find myrrh is a reminder not only of what Christ has done in the sacrifice, in the burial, but the beauty of Christ himself in the perfume, in the aroma of how he's made our life. John 10.10, I've given you life, I've given it more abundantly. And we can show that when we say this, Matthew 1.23, God with us. Is he with us? Is the testimony evident to everybody around us? Something for you to consider in the beauty of the nativity gift of myrrh, not only reminding us it represents the embalming, it, the embalming is uh, used. It represents the death, the love that Jesus has done. He will love us up unto him giving his life for us. But also in that, making this so beautiful, which some non-believers would consider so ugly. There's a beauty in this ugliness. There's a beauty in knowing we can be in heaven forever, where Christ will still have his wounds on his body. In Revelation chapter 5, they're celebrating this. There are now badges of honor so may we carry the beauty and the aroma of Christ that others may be drawn to him. I want to thank you so much, friends. We're going to continue on in our Christmas countdown, the Advent teaching all the way to Christmas Eve. God bless you. Thank you so much. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, go over to theheaventour.com, T-H-E, theheaventour.com, C-O-M. Take care. God bless you, and Lord willing, We will talk soon. In order for the Heaven Tour to continue fulfilling our mission, we humbly ask for your support. Your generosity allows us to continue to proclaim and explain the biblical truth of heaven and to mentor many. All eligible donations are tax deductible, so please prayerfully consider an end-of-year gift. 
You can send your gift to the Heaven Tour, P.O. Box 795 Pickens, South Carolina 29671. Thank you and have a blessed Thanksgiving.